Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Morning. We welcome you to the service. If you're a guest, we're thrilled to death to have you. And uh, be sure to tell the greeters that you're a guest and get a, get a free cup of coffee. Tell them, tell them it's on the pastor, Pastor Showalter. And uh, if the rest of you need coffee, get there early so you beat me. It's good to have you in service. Welcome you by live stream, by telecast, and you who are watching by live stream, hit share, and also let us know where you're watching from. We've been on a series on the life of Elijah. We've been talking about difficult times, how to get through, through them, and we're, we're studying the life of Elijah, who uh, really was somewhat like us, and he went through very harsh times. That one of the most wicked leaders of God's people and God's nation at that time, and, and serving in the cabinet with him was probably one of the most insidious women of all times, Jezebel, who sought to destroy all of the ministry, shut down the church, do away with God, and... Uh, create her own little Baal worship world of Asheroth and, and Baal and all of that. And the more I study about Elijah, the more I feel like I'd just like to be like him. Bible said that of all the people in the Bible that uh, he was subject to like passions as we are. He was like us and we are so much like him. And perhaps these are the days of Elijah. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 18. If you haven't studied the background, you need that 18th chapter to read. It says, Elijah came unto all the people. Now, I want you to understand he's talking to God's chosen people, the Jews. The Jews had a wicked leader at that time. He's one of the few prophets that hadn't been exterminated. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? I want to tell you something. Life is about choices. I'm convinced life is about choices. Reason I could never follow John Calvin, John Calvin ruled out choice, overrides the choice of man. I believe man has a choice. And even God won't override your choice. God made us as sovereign beings who can choose whether we want to go to heaven or not go to heaven. You always have a choice. And God has given us, how long halt ye between two opinions? You got a choice, make up your mind. And he said, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered, not a word. It got quiet. I, I want you to know if you're doing the right things in life, irregardless of what's happening around you, you can still have the blessings of God if we'll do what's right. 
fact of the matter, Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God will bless our lives. God will bless our lives if our lives are blessable. God blessed Elijah, literally. I mean, when he prayed, fire came down from heaven. And here's the background of the story. Elijah said to Ahab, the king, Ahab, I want you to do something. I want you to get your 450 prophets of Baal. Now, Baal was the lightning god. He was the uh, sun god. He was the fertility god. And not only the 450 prophets of Baal, that's the male entity. They also had a female deity at the time called Eshteroth. And they believed that when you looked up into the sky and you saw the sun, it was Baal. And you would go out at night and you would look up and you would see the moon, it was Eshteroth. And Elijah said, I want you to bring the 450 prophets, the male side, and I want you to bring also the 400 Eshteroth prophets, 850 And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little contest. People like contests. Well, I thought they did. Maybe they don't. And uh, he said, we're going to build two altars. We're We're going to find out if God is God. You'll find out if your God is God, or I'll find out if my God, Yahweh, is God. You build your altar, I'll build my altar. You take a sacrifice, I will take a sacrifice. You slay a bullock, I'll slay a bullock. And the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. And so he says to the 850 false prophets, they've got their altars built, the sacrifices laid out. He said, all right, you pray. I want you to pray starting early in the morning and you call on your God, who by the way was the God of lightning. I mean, if any God could start a fire, boy, let me tell you, lightning can certainly start a fire. If you don't believe so, watch the news about out west during summertime. So it shouldn't have been any problem for Baal if he's the god of the lightning. He ought to be able to send fire. And you know the story. Early in the morning, these 850 prophets begin to call on Baal and Eshteroth. They screamed, they chanted, they cut themselves, they wailed, they made all kinds of racket and noise. And I want you to watch Elijah. Now, I'm I'm not Elijah on this part, okay? At about 12 o'clock, he began to make fun. He began to mock them. I guess that's why he's a prophet. And uh, you read there, it said about noontime, it's in verse 27 of chapter 18, 1 Kings. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. And he said, you'll have to shout louder. In other words, Tell God to turn his hearing aid up, your bell God. Maybe, maybe, maybe his hearing's going out. And he scoffed, for surely he's a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Maybe he's relieving himself, potty time, you know. Or perhaps he's away on a trip. You know, he went to Abish country to look at the leaves. Maybe, maybe he's asleep, you know, Rip Van Winkle snooze and snore. Slap him to sleep and tell him to snore. Nothing happened. They screamed, they chanted. That's why I've said for a long time, I'm for prayer. Let the crowd pray that believe in false gods. Nothing's gonna happen anyway. It didn't happen then. And it's not going to happen now. And I believe that God, Yahweh, will answer when Elijah prayed, as we can. And then you come to verse 36, and it came to pass. 
Isn't that a great phrase? And it came to pass. Some things that we need to let them just pass on. COVID will come to pass. Good news, isn't it? Hey, the elections, they're going to come to pass. I'm sorry to shock you so bad. It said it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. I think it's very interesting that Elijah asked for this to happen at the time of the evening sacrifice. Can I tell you a little secret? At that time, three o'clock, the Jews would go to the Lord in prayer that believed in Yahweh. They would pray. They'd always be down at the temple as long as they could meet in the temple. When they couldn't, they would meet secretly in caves and wherever. And Obadiah had hid over uh, 50 prophets in one cave, 50 in another, and Jezebel hadn't found them and hadn't killed them. He knew at three o'clock they would be praying, he would be praying. It wasn't just him praying by himself. He was praying while the other saints, wherever they were at, were praying. And so it was at at three o'clock when they had this little prayer meeting. And incidentally, when Jesus went to the cross, it was nine o'clock. When he died, it was three o'clock. When he completed and finished the work God had sent him for, it was right at three o'clock. And it said it came to pass at the time of the evening, uh, of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God, of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. Isn't that an interesting one? It's always been Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, you know, was the, uh, he, he was the schemer. But once he really met God, God changed his name to Israel. He became a prince. And so when he's praying, he said, Abraham and Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. Just show up, God. And that I'm just simply thy servant and that I've done all the things at thy word. And so Elijah calls on God, and if you know the story, the fire fell. Now first, you have this sacrifice, the bullock, and that bullock represents Jesus Christ all the way through the Old Testament. Out there on that brazen altar, they would, they would have this offering, and uh, Jesus Christ is represented. But after the blood sacrifice, the next thing that happens, was the fire was to fall. And so after the blood was spilled on the cross of Calvary, guess what? The fire fell at Pentecost and people were gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit. Typology, I'm just mentioning that. Now here's what I want you to see. The fire came, the blessing came. What will bring the blessing of God on your life? Have you thought about that? What is it that'll bring the blessing of God on my life. It's when I get in alignment with God, when I'm doing the right thing, God will bless our lives. So let me share four quick points. If you want the blessing of God, you want to do the right thing, here's what you need to do. There's four things. One, have an audience of only one. An audience of one. If you look at here in 1 Kings 18, 17, this is what Ahab said unto Elijah, you're a troublemaker. You're a troublemaker. And uh, he said that you're the one that troubleth Israel. Now that wasn't true, but maybe it was a little bit. 
I, I guess because he turned around and said, Ahab, he said, no, no. He said, you're the one that broke the commandments. You're the one that's living wrong. And you're the one that's got God upset. And so what happened? Elijah began to pray and because he was upset over what Ahab was doing and he got God upset until God upset old Ahab. Kind of worked in a triangle right there. And so he said, you're a troublemaker. A.W. Tozer said to be right with God is often meant to be in trouble with men. I sure don't like that statement, but it sure is true. To be right with God is often meant to be in trouble with men. Let me say this again, and I've said it many times. If you please God, it doesn't matter who else you don't please. And if you don't please God, really it doesn't matter who else you do please. And if you want the blessings of God on your life, you'd better respond to an audience of one. Well, everybody speaks well of that person. That's kind of scary. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said it. He said in Luke 6, 36, woe be it unto you when all men shall speak well of you for so did their fathers to the false prophets. If all men speak well of us, it might be an indicator that we have never really stood for anything of significance. Because when you really stand for what's right, it's going to upset some folk. It's ruffling the fur the wrong way. Just turn the cat around. Moving along. Now, it's got to be an audience of one. Uh, I heard about a preacher. He got a letter. And I've gotten a few. I wish they would put a return address and a name. I'd send them back one. Well, I thought about it. Well, I wish I could tell you all I'm thinking, but I won't. But this guy got a letter, and it didn't even have a message in it. All it said was idiot. And the pastor smiled, said, it's the first time I got a, this note with a signature and no message. <laughs> but if you want to live a blessable life, you need an audience of only one. And I'm not talking about running around trying to anger people, but we only really need to please God. That's the only one you've got to please. It was like the little girl playing her violin in front of the whole audience, but she looked up in the balcony at her teacher. And as long as he was nodding, that's all that mattered. And I want God to nod in approval that I'm doing the right thing. I want only an audience of one, and you do too. And here's the second thing to do right, is to have a sold out life. He said, how long halt ye between the two opinions? Now the word here, halt, means to hop around like a bunny rabbit. Bunny rabbit hops over here and it hops over there and you don't know where it's gonna be next. No stability, it's kind of like being double-minded. And when I read this story, I thought, here's what's going on. These people are totally committed to Baal worship. But that wasn't so. They were divided. They wanted to worship Baal and they wanted to worship God. Does that remind you of some churches? Think about that for a little bit. I mean, during the week, they would worship Baal some and they'd even offer their children as sacrifices. How far can we go? Sounds almost like abortion or something, doesn't it? But I didn't write this, so I'll leave that out. And then on the Lord's day, they would come and they wanted to offer a lamb offering as a sacrifice. 
And the old prophet was upset and he said, how long are you going to hop between two opinions? He said, you need to either get in or get out. Get going or get run over. You need to get right or get left. You need to make a decision where you, where you stand. Get sold out, get committed fully to the Lord. Can I just say something here for a moment? We live in a time when the church is too worldly. And the world is getting too churchy. And we need to be different. And if we want the blessing of God on our life, we need to be ambassadors of Christ. We need to live a different life. We're in the world in contact, but we're not of the world in conduct. God has called us to be called out to be different. And I'm just saying, if you want the blessing of God, you need to do what is right. Have an audience of one to please. That's God. And secondly, be sold out like Elijah. And a third thing I saw in this story was letting go of that which is precious. Elijah did something here. He said, we're going to call on Yahweh to send the fire. But before the fire is sent, he said, here's what we want to do. I want you to bring me 12 barrels of water. Now, they'd already prayed nothing happened. And he takes his little sacrifice and he said, I want 12 barrels of water. Pour the water on the sacrifice. They soaked the wood. They filled up the trenches. They, they got the uh, sacrifice all soaked with water. And then he said, all right, God, send the fire. Now I'm saying sometimes we need to let go of what is so precious to us. I have read this thing over and over. I've heard others preach on it. I never saw it till this week. He let go of what was the most precious commodity at that time. You know what it was? Water. They hadn't had rain for three and a half years. Everybody needed water. Everything's dying for lack of water. He lets go of the most precious thing that he could have let go of. He said, pour 12 barrels on the sacrifice. Let me just simply say, God... What does he want from us? He wants what is the most precious, the thing that we hold more dear to our heart than him. King David said, I'm not going to give God a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. And I'm not talking about just monetarily. God wants what is precious in our lives. He wants to be the Lord. He wants to be above everything else that we hold dear. For God to do the supernatural in your life, you're going to have to let go of other things sometimes for God to do the supernatural. Whatever is precious in your life, for God to do great things. You say, well, pastor, what's precious? Only you know. I don't know what's the most precious thing to you, but you do. Psalm 126, verse five and six. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth and weepeth Bearing precious seed shall doubtless re return again. They're going to bring in their sheaves. Do you realize that God has given us some precious seed? You have a testimony. You have the word of God. And some of us, we've let it rot on us. We haven't shared it. We haven't given it out. And I want to tell you something. It, if it doesn't get into the ground, there'll never be a harvest that'll happen in your life. 
And he said, when you sow it in tears, it causes, uh, causes it to begin to grow and begin to produce life. As long as we're holding on to it, God said, I can't do the supernatural in your life. Now you, you let that preach in your own mind for a little bit. I, I don't know why I'm hanging around that so long. But whether it's your child, whether it's a career, whether it's a reputation, whether it's finances that are so dear to you or your degrees or your education, whatever it is. The guy said to me the other day, he said, preacher, the toughest thing I've ever dealt with in my life is I've had, after all of these years, to give up the church that I grew up in. For it's not going the same way I'm going. Immorality has been put into the pulpit and I can't support it. And I stood there and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'd have to do the very same thing. I'd rather go out and preach under the stars than even belong to a religious movement if I can't preach the truth. And if it's gonna involve immorality and all of that, whatever it is that we hold the most dear, God is saying sometimes you have to give that up because I want to do something special in your life. Moses, he's standing before God. It's there in the book of Exodus chapter four. You'll pick it up at about the first four verses. God said to Moses there at that moment, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he held in his hand a rod. He said, it's a rod. What do you think it is? It's my protection. It gives me my authority, it's got my history. They would carve on that, that rod their history of their life, the big events. He said, this is the rod that I've had through my life. God said, I want you to throw it down. Well, on that rod, it told that he had been the son of the prince, princes of the Nile, that he at one time had been in line to be the new Pharaoh over Egypt, it showed that he had attended the Egyptian universities, threw it down. He didn't get it, but he did. He threw it down. Strange thing happened, it became a snake. Moses fled from it. What would you have done? There's a big difference between faith and foolishness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move away too. And God said, I want you to pick it up by the tail. And when he did, it became a rod again. And God was simply showing Moses, I can do the supernatural, but you'll have to let go of that. It's, that seems so important in your own life. The thing that we hold on to so tightly. It means showing God that he is more important than all of the other things that's precious to us. If you want to do the right thing, God to be glorified must be your number one priority. Elijah said, God, send the fire. They had prayed for hours. He only prayed 63 words. And I want you to look what the Bible said in the 27th verse of that 18th chapter. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Now catch this, and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. 
And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And everybody chanted, Elijah is the man. No, no, no. They chanted the Lord. He is God. I never walk out of my office but what I say, God, let me just be a conduit. Let the people get the help. And God, I want you to get all the glory. And I'll just walk out and try to say what I felt you laid on my heart. You want God to bless your life? You'll have to do the right thing. Say, God, whether I fail or excel, whether it's hardship or hallelujah, whatever, I want you to be glorified. Anything less than that will leave our lives empty. All of the accolades that can be bestowed upon us leave us empty. And the only fulfillment, the only peace is to know that God is glorified in our lives. I was reading again a story about a little boy It must have been an important story because it's the only story told in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, every one of them together told this same story. Evidently, his mother had packed him a lunch. I suppose it was his mama. And he came to this meeting where Jesus was teaching, and there were 5,000 men plus the others. And he brought his lunch with him. He must have figured preachers preach long. And they needed his lunch. I've read that story so many times. He had five loaves and two fishes. I want to tell you something. That little boy was precious. It was his lunch. Nobody likes to eat any more than a little growing boy. He was proud to have his lunch with him. The service started up and it got lengthy and the folk were getting hungry and fidgety and Jesus told the disciples, we gotta feed these people. And they began to look around and somebody came to Jesus and said, the only thing we can find a little boy in his lunch. Jesus said, ask him for it. Boy, you talk about a miracle of miracles. That little boy gave it all. He didn't give two loaves and one fish. He gave all the loaves and all the fish that he had. Everybody had fish and chips. Everybody got to eat. There had to be at least 15,000 there. And all of that seemed like a great miracle, but when I read it, the real miracle to me was that a boy would give his all. That's all God wants is our all. I'd say to the young people here, God wants your all. I was nine years old when I gave my heart to Christ. From that point on, God, you're going to have my life if, if you want it. Whatever it amounts to, not much, but if you want it, I give it to you. I'm not John Wesley. I'm not John Knox. I'm just Ray LaSalle. If you want me with my personality, you can have me. I give myself, whatever. God just wants our all. His name is never mentioned. All the important things that happened in the four gospels. And the only story repeated four times and yet that boy's name never got in print. And you know what? It wasn't about him. It was about God being glorified. 
And when the Lord is glorified, it's not about my name or your name or about me or about you or about Nazarenes or Wesleyans or pilgrims or Methodists or free Methodists. Or it's not about any of that. It's when God is glorified. They didn't even hardly remember him. But Jesus got glorified that day. No wonder he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Bow your heads for a moment. Father, we come to you this morning. If anything in this world that we would want as a church, we want you glorified and magnified. If there's a spotlight turned anywhere, we wouldn't want it to be on the building. We don't want it on the name out front. We don't want it to be shined on our bank accounts. We want it to be shined on you. We want the spotlight of heaven to be pointed in your direction. That's what I want. And I believe it's what our people want. We want you glorified. And to do that, we have to have an audience of only one, and that's you, and that's to please you. We offer you a sold-out life, committed fully. We're not on this side and that side. We're not riding any fences. We're totally God on your side. We let go of anything that seems so important to us, so precious to us, because we want you more. And we want you glorified. And I wonder while our heads are bowed just for a moment, has this message been for you today? Is God first in your life? Is God more precious than anything else going on? If you had to make a choice, would you make a choice not to be halted between two opinions, but say, God, I want to be totally and fully and completely all out for you. How many hands can I see like that this morning all across the auditorium? God, I want to be on your side. Stand with me if you would. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.